I told you that at one point you could buy an entire estate with just a few tulips. You could buy land, you could buy a house, you could buy animals, you could buy all these things with just a few tulips, just like the ones on our screen, except probably a bit more colorful. In the early 1600s, tulips were imported to Holland from Turkey, and the Dutch could not get enough of these newly discovered tulips. Many people wanted to get their hands on tulips so bad that they gave over, or they handed over their life savings, they gave away their homes and all their land, some even handed over everything that they owned just to get a few tulips. Now they did this because they thought that tulips were going to be the investment of a lifetime. Uh, like I said, these tulips were brought from Turkey over to Holland, and the Dutch had never seen anything like that, so they thought that they had hit the jackpot when they managed to score some tulips, and they thought they could buy these tulips and sell them to other people for outrageous prices. So they gave up everything for a few tulips. Now, unfortunately for the Dutch, tulips kind of lost their appeal after a while. Uh, the same people who gave up everything for just a few flowers quickly realized that they weren't worth much. It seemed that overnight, the price or the demand for tulips fell considerably. In other words, uh, one day they were worth everything. Then you go to sleep and you wake up the next morning and you can hardly give those things away. And that's because the craze was over. It was just a short fad. People realized that tulips really weren't all that much. But for the people that gave up everything, it was a significant loss. I mean, imagine handing over everything you own for a few flowers and then waking up the next day and realizing they weren't worth anything. But friends, unfortunately, it seems like uh, we're willing to invest in tulips, if you will. And it seems like sometimes we're willing to give up our eternal security in heaven with God for nothing, for things that really aren't worth much at all. So the question that I want to ask and hopefully answer this evening is how do we avoid investing in tulips, if you will? Because whether we realize it or not, you and I are all investors. Now, maybe you've never traded a single stock in your life. Maybe you've never purchased a single bond ever. But you and I are all investors. You see, each and every moment of our lives, we invest our time, we invest our money, we invest our focus, we invest our energy, we invest all these things in certain activities or certain uh, things that we like to do or certain things that we take an interest in. So we invest a whole lot sometimes into nothing. We're willing to give up our eternal security with God uh, for nothing. So again, the question that I want to ask, uh, ask excuse me, uh, this evening is how do we avoid making bad investments with our time, uh, with our energy, with our focus, with our money, with all these things? How do we avoid wasting our investment on uh, really nonsense instead of investing in God and investing in things that matter? Like I said, we invest every moment of every day whether we realize it or not. And hopefully, uh, we strive each and every day to invest more and more in God and less and less in the world. 
And it was John who said in the book of 1 John that if you love the world, you don't truly love God. So if we've got all of our investments, all of our time, energy, money, and focus invested in things in this world, John says it's impossible to actually love God. So getting right on then to some practical tips for avoiding making these bad investments with our time and to avoid uh, giving up our salvation because we would rather be interested in other things, uh, we're going to notice three ways to do that. Three ways to avoid making bad investments. Now, the first is simple, and that is consult the book. Consult the book. Now, if you want to be an investor, I suppose you've really got three general options. And we're talking about investing in the world in today's stock market. And hopefully we'll notice the trend in our points. They all relate to investing in the stock market, investing in uh, things like that, stocks and bonds. So the first thing we've got to do if we want to avoid investing in things other than God, spending our times on things that don't matter, is consult the book. You see, I don't know a lot about investing, but I do know that it's kind of difficult and very complicated. Uh, I took a couple classes in high school about it, and I've got to say, I really don't know more now than I did before I took the class. There are tons of complicated terms, tons of complicated abbreviations, all these things that really, to me, just don't make any sense. But if you want to learn more about how to invest successfully, uh, you can either go to school, uh, pay for college to learn more. You can either just go out and guess. Uh, I think they'll let anybody make an E-Trade account online. Uh, so anybody, if you've got the money, can just go on there and start investing in stocks. You can just guess on what you think might do well. Or you can sort of educate yourself. You can turn to certain books or helps or manuals that might give you some insight into how to make meaningful, valuable investments. Now, if we make a spiritual application to that, which is hopefully the, the, the point we're getting, I hope I'm not glossing over that too much. The idea here is making spiritual, meaningful investments. If we want to do that, then friends, we've got to turn to the book. We've got to turn to the book with all the answers. God tells us how we ought to invest our time and energy and focus in all these things. He tells us what investments really matter. Now, in the scripture that was read just a few moments ago, in Psalm 119 and verse 105, the psalmist says, uh, praising God, he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, God, your word is perfectly capable of directing me in the way that I should go. Your word gives me all the direction that I need. So if we want good counsel or solid advice, we've got to turn to the word of God. Now, if we turn to the book of Matthew, and if we notice chapter 19, we're going to take a look at one example, uh, one warning maybe would be a better term, one warning against making bad investments. And hopefully as we read the text and move through, uh, the heart of this lesson will become clearer and clearer. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse Number 16. The Bible says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? 
So he said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good but the, uh, excuse me, no one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments." He said to him, "Which ones?" Jesus said, "You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love the neighbor or your neighbor as yourself." The young man said to him, "All these things I have kept from my youth." What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Now, I've always found it interesting uh, that the man here, who's often referred to as the rich young ruler, he sort of just seemed to know that something was off, right? He goes to Jesus, he says, What do I have to do to get right? Jesus says, basically, follow the law of Moses. And he says, I've done that, but what else, what else do I need to do? You would think if he's followed the law of Moses to a T, like he claims, he wouldn't be that worried about it. But it's always intrigued me as to why he thought there was more he should do. But the point here is that Jesus says, if you want to truly have life uh, with God in heaven, if you want treasures in heaven, Jesus says, then go and sell all that you own and give it to the poor. Now, that's a tough thing, right? What if Jesus said that to us? Uh, you've got that nice big house. You've got that nice fast car. Go and go sell that and give it to the poor. Now, for the record, I don't have a nice big house or a fast car. That was just an example. But what if Jesus said that to us? That's hard, right? But that's what he says to this man. He says, go sell your things and give it to the poor. In other words, don't be so invested in the world. Invest in heaven. Plan for your future in heaven, not for your life here on earth. So Jesus warns against making bad investments here in Matthew chapter 19. But if we turn over to the book of Luke and notice chapter 12, we see again almost uh, the same warning. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse number 13. The Bible here says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. Uh, excuse me. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for you many years. Uh, take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will all these things be which you have provided? So it is, or so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So again, a different account, a different situation, but really the same teaching. Jesus says here, don't be so invested in this world. Don't be so concerned with the things that you can put in your barn, but rather be more concerned with your eternal life. Invest for your future in heaven. So the Word of God directs us, and it gives us here 
warnings against making bad investments, keeping our focus away from God, and rather focusing all of our attention and energy on things of the world. Now, the Bible also does for us the opposite. Not only does it warn us against doing that, but it shows us uh, what making good investments looks like. In Acts chapter 17 and verse number 11, uh, a passage or a verse that I'm sure we're all uh, pretty familiar with, it, it gets quoted pretty often, there in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 11, Luke records that the Bereans were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they searched the Scriptures daily to find out if the things that were being taught were true or not. In other words, uh, the Bereans invested their time in the Word of God to find the truth. They weren't concerned with the things in their barns. They weren't concerned with enlarging their estates, but rather... In Acts 17, verse 11, we learn that these people were very invested in finding out the truth. They were invested in the Word of God. Similarly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, which is also another very uh, often quoted passage, it's probably quoted uh, every time we partake of the Lord's Supper and then give uh, a portion of our means. But over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Beginning in verse number 1, Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the church of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay up something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there, be, that there may be no collections when I come. And when I come, whoever, uh, excuse me, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Now, as I said a moment ago, this passage is quoted often, uh, almost every Sunday. But it's very rarely explained. You see, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he has, uh, and he's uh, basically accepting, uh, telling them to, to send a gift off to Jerusalem. You see, in Jerusalem, there was an awful famine. There was no food, and what food was available was awfully expensive. So, some of the Christians, as Christians do, decided to take up a collection of money so that it could be sent to Jerusalem, and the church and the Christians in Jerusalem could buy food. So that's sort of the context here. And the idea, the reason I bring it up, is because, well, what were these people invested in? What were they spending their money on? They were helping Christians, right? They were taking their hard-earned money and they were sending it off to a church in Jerusalem to help them out. Now, we've also got to remember uh, the social context here, right? Uh, we know that Jews and Gentiles weren't really the best of buddies that often, right? I mean, in the church even, they had issues. But think about what's happening here. The church in Corinth, a church made up of pretty much only Gentiles, was sending money to the church in Jerusalem, which was made up pretty much of Jews. And so that in itself it shows their heart, really. Uh, these people were willing to put aside their social differences or their, their messy past, and they were willing to invest their money to help these people. So the Word of God shows us that we should not be invested in things of the world, but rather we should be invested in godly things. We should invest our time and our money and our efforts and all these things we have 
into things that are spiritual. So firstly, if we want to avoid making bad investments, if we don't want to invest in tulips, if you will, we've got to consult the book. Now secondly, if we want to avoid making bad investments, we've got to narrow our portfolio. Now like I said just a moment ago, I don't know a ton about investing, but I do know that everyone you ask ever will say, diversify your portfolio. In other words, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't invest entirely in stocks because if the stock market crashes, then you've lost all your money. Don't put all your money in bonds because if something happens for some reason uh, and that company or government that you've invested in uh, goes out of business or crumbles or whatever, you're going to lose all your money. But investing spiritually, uh, when we think about making lasting, meaningful investments spiritually, we should be willing to put all of our eggs in one basket. And that basket, of course, should be God, right? We should seek to take out our investments or withdraw our investments from all the things and cares of the world, and we should seek to wholly and entirely invest in God. Now, I read a story not too long ago of a woman who fell out of her second-story window and landed in the back of a slow-moving garbage truck. And as this woman struggled in the back of this garbage truck to try to get the attention of the driver, she was waving and flailing her arms and yelling for the driver, stop, stop. And as this garbage truck drove down the street, it passed a foreign uh, dignitary. In other words, a diplomat from another country here in America. And this diplomat looks on the street and he sees this woman in the back of this garbage truck and he sighs, just another example of American waste. That woman looks like she's got at least 10 years left. <laughs> now, sometimes we're willing to waste all of our resources. Now, we're not talking about necessarily uh, American waste, right? I know other countries say that we're the worst when it comes to that, and they're probably right. I don't know. But I want to think about the things that we've already been talking about, our time our money, our energy, our focus. We are so willing to waste these precious resources on almost nothing. And I'll admit, I'm guilty of that. Uh, somehow, I'll spend hours on my phone at night doing who knows what. I'll look up and it's way past the time that I should have been asleep. I've just wasted hours of my life doing nothing. And I believe, unfortunately, uh, that can be said about many of us. Uh, we're willing to waste these precious things that God has given us rather than giving them back to God. God's given us our time. God's given us our money, our focus, the ability to do things. Uh, and oftentimes, unfortunately, we do not invest it back into God. We should be all in on Christ, and we should be all in on God. We should have all of our investments, if you will, all of our eggs in one basket. Now, if we look at the life of Jesus... I think he, as always, in every single circumstance, is the perfect example of being all in for God. Now, first of all, he was God. But when we look at his time spent on earth, how many times do we see Jesus wasting his time? Now, we know that Jesus took breaks. We can read about that. And I know, I understand that we really don't have the full account of everything Jesus ever did. But in what we do have, how much time do we see Jesus wasting? I can't really think of much, other than maybe that one time he took a break, but I wouldn't say that's wasting time. Everybody needs a break sometimes. 
So when we look at Jesus and his example, it really helps us to understand how we should be all in for God. Now, having said that, if we turn back to the book of Luke, chapter 2, and verse number 15, uh, we see, yet again, a pretty well-known text about Jesus. Luke chapter 2, and verse number 15. Excuse me, 49. I'm not sure where I got 15 from. I apologize for that. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 49. Jesus speaking here, he says, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now we know here that Jesus is just a young child. That his parents have lost him in the city. Then they go back for him. And they finally find him and they say, Jesus, what are you doing? Why didn't you follow us back home? Why are you still here? And we know here in... Uh, verse 49, Jesus says, why, why didn't you think I would be here? Uh, shouldn't you know that I must be about my father's business? And I think that serves as a very great thesis statement, really, for the life of Jesus. He was always about his father's business. And if we want to be like Christ, then we should say the same thing. Also in the book of John, chapter 17, and verse number 4, Jesus says here, praying to God, he says, God, I've done everything that you've sent me to do. He says, I've glorified you, and I've done all that you've sent me to do. So Jesus was a worker, and Jesus was all in for God. He had invested all of his time, energy, and focus in God. So if we want to avoid wasting our time and everything that we've been given, we've got to remember to narrow our portfolio. Don't be so diversified that we forget about God. Now finally... And the last thing that we should uh, seek to do if we want to avoid making bad investments is focus on the goal. Now, when you invest, it's usually for retirement, right? You invest in stocks or bonds or 401k or whatever it is, and you do that so that when it's time to retire, you've got a little bit of money to live on, right? Now, Christians invest for the same exact reason. Christians invest for the life to come. They invest for their eternal retirement. And we know that our eternal retirement will be spent in heaven with God if we're willing to do what he asks us to do. You see, it takes sacrifices. It takes effort. It takes things that we might not always want to do, but that we must do in order to receive this heavenly retirement, if you will. We've got to be willing to make the effort. Because think about heaven. Think about how great it must be to be in heaven. In Revelation chapter 7, John describes it in a pretty uh, marvelous fashion. If we turn back there to Revelation chapter 7, we'll see what John says in his vision about this place that we all want to go to. Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where do they come from? And I said to them, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall never hunger, uh, they shall neither hunger any more, nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. 
For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living foundations of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, we know that the book of Revelation isn't really the easiest book to understand, right? But I think when we read passages like this, we get the general idea. And that is that heaven is a place that we want to go to. Heaven is a place where God is. It's a place where there is no sorrow or tears or worry or stress or anything that we don't like about this world. None of that's there. It's a place where we can enjoy our eternity with God. And in John chapter 14, the beginning in verse number 1, Jesus, talking to his apostles here, he says, uh, don't worry when I leave you, because I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I go, you may go also. Think about that. Jesus is going to prepare a place for the faithful. It's a place hand-prepared by God himself, Jesus Christ, and it's prepared for you and I, if we're willing to do what it takes to get there. If we make the right investments, if we go all in on God, give Him our entire focus, give Him our entire life. So if you want to do that, no one is stopping you but you, right? No one can keep us from heaven except ourselves. But we've just got to make sure that we're willing to do the things that it takes to get there. And the Bible clearly says that what we've got to do to get there is be a Christian. We've got to be faithful to God. So if you need to become a Christian tonight, or if you're a Christian but you need help living the Christian life, we ask that you would please let it be known as together we stand and sing.